1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Irving getting a rest and Thomas back in. Curry feeds it. Durant steps back. Second and 10, look out, 22-yard line. Number 97, what a night for Hargrave. What a night. He's so quick with that first step for a 300-pound guy, it's over. I mean, and, and the, it's, the wor- it's the worst nightmare for any quarterback. A three would tie the game. Pinson puts the ball in play, and it's tipped into the backcourt. Luka beats McDaniels to it, and now he's got it in the backcourt. Up ahead to Kyrie. He stops. He fakes a shot. Now Luka going back to Kyrie. A pump fake. Steps to the defense. Lost the ball. Thrown up ahead to Kyle Anderson, and it's all over. Disrupted defense by Minnesota prevents Dallas from ever getting a shot away to tie the game, and their final possession ends in a turnover. He has done it all tonight for Miami, and more importantly, when they needed it most. R.J. Davis with the answer at the other end for Carolina. Poplar steps in, and it's an 11-point lead now for the Hurricanes. Mancini playing behind the runner at first. He goes, and the pitch is lifted to right by Cassianos. Long run for Tucker, over toward the line, and foul territory. Makes the catch, and the Houston Astros do it again. 2022 World Series champion for the second time in six years. The Astros are baseball's best. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. And welcome to the Tuesday, February 14th. Something happens on February. What happens if something about February 14th? Some 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 kind of symbolic thing. Anyway, welcome to the Tuesday, February 14th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. The Suns, are you in favor of them adding Kevin Durant? They've already done that, in case you missed it. Uh, The Eagles, what veteran most needs to return. The Mavs, will Luka and Kyrie actually work? It didn't last night, as you heard. North Carolina, how's it gone from NCAA tournament runner-up to the NCAA bubble this year? From MLB, do you like the ghost runner rule? Then what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, with the introduction of today's pipeline. 10-15, we'll go around the NBA, including Kevin Durant tra- uh, trade analysis and uh, more NBA. We'll talk with Dan Favale of Bleacher Report. 10-30 will be interactive action at 602-260-1060. Also, uh, we'll get to a little, uh, little local roundup at that point, including a brief preview of tonight's Suns and Kings game. And then the final segment of the Sports Zone of today's one-hour extravaganza, it is the local, the national roundup, excuse me, 
and that'll include some rip from the headlines and whatever else I can jam into one segment. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, are you in favor of the Suns trading Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, and four first-round picks to the Nets Nets for Kevin Durant and also T.J. Warren? And Corey, as the early returns. Leading right now, 100% is yes on KDUS1060.com. Obviously, I didn't vote. <laughs> it wouldn't be 100% if I voted. Uh, in case you missed that last week, and uh, we might even talked about that a little bit on Monday. Uh, we will in the next segment for sure. Uh, by the way, the Suns officially announced on Monday that Durant will be introduced during a Thursday 2 p.m. press conference. Today's Twitter poll question, which veteran most needs to return to the Eagles in 2023? Fletcher Cox, Jason Kelsey, Javon Hardgrave, I'll get this right, Javon Hardgrave, easy for me to say, and also Robert Quinn are your choices, so let's try that again. Fletcher Cox, Jason Kelsey, Javon Hargrave, or Robert Quinn. All could be retiring or leaving for a variety of reasons. Which one most needs to return? And Corey, once again, has early returns. Two leaders right now. First place, Jason Kelsey with 66.7% of the vote. Second place, Fletcher Cox, 33.3% of the vote. And neither, 0% for both Hargrave and Quinn. All right. Somehow lost in the Super Bowl hype was the fact that the Eagles have an intriguing next few weeks before the draft, OTAs, and minicamp, including those four veteran players who may not return. Meanwhile, spanning the globe, back to the NBA, the Mavs, and uh, the uh, the Mavs are trying to figure it out. Incredibly, Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving played catch in the final possession last night, and the clock ran out before they got up a shot in the loss to the Timberwolves. So, how long before Kyrie Irving and uh, Luka figure it out, or do they figure it out in Dallas? Meanwhile, North Carolina is in jeopardy of not reaching the NCAA tournament. The Tar Heels, after reaching the championship game last season, they are now 0-9 against quad one opponents this season. 0-9. That's almost impossible. Nine's a lot of quad one opponents, but they haven't won any of them after they lost last night at home to Miami. What's wrong this season with North Carolina basketball? Meanwhile, from the hot stove, MLB is going with the Ghost Runner full-time. Yay! Something I've been talking about since the early 80s. I'm not joking. Since the early 80s. Anyway, they're finally going to go with this full-time, at least full-time for the next couple of years, after the Joint Competition Committee, of which I didn't know there was such a thing, voted unanimously to adopt the rule for all regular season extra inning games to actually start with a runner on second base. We've seen this the last three seasons now. And uh, that's going to continue in every subsequent inning until a winner is determined. Do you like the extra inning ghost runner rule in Major League Baseball? You should all be applauding at this point and saying yes. All right, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that's the pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in uh, your mind or in your mind, on your mind? Anything to do with your mind? 
Well, I shouldn't say that. Anyway, it comes to all that stuff falls into the general discussion category. So whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or you can't say Javon Hargrave's name, or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. All right, coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by Around the NBA. Last week, uh, this little thing called the Super Bowl was here, so we really didn't have time to break down the trade deadline, whether it be the Suns getting Durant or other moves in the NBA. So we'll get to as much of that as humanly possible. Uh, tons of Sun stuff to start with, Dan Favale of Bleacher Report. So that's in the next segment. Then once again, at the bottom of the hour, if you want to get in phone call time, general discussion. 602-260-1060, maybe some of these fine pipeline items or something else uh, on your alleged mind. Going back to that mind thing again. 602-260-1060 at the bottom of the hour. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Radio is here for KDUS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2. And welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7, your home of the Dan Patrick Show. Live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. Kevin Durant was on the Suns' practice floor on Monday, but only putting up a few shots. He wasn't practicing, quote-unquote. Uh, out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports room by Dan Favale of Bleacher Report. And Dan, always good to have you. The Suns obviously had Durant last week. Uh, where do the Suns stand in the Western Conference after this edition in your mind? I can't hear Dan. Am I supposed to be hearing Dan? Can you hear I'm me not. now? There we go. I can hear him now. As they say, this is like a popular commercial. We should start something, huh? <laughs> so, Okay, so <laughs> yeah. I'll, re- I'll repeat the question. Uh, where do the Suns stand in the Western Conference in your mind after adding Durant? I think they're right near the top. The only team that I would definitively have in front of them right now is the Denver Nuggets, uh, just in terms of their continuity. So it feels like they're going to have that higher immediate ceiling. We need to see what the Suns look like once Kevin Durant comes back from his MCL sprain. I'm very curious to see what the defense looks like, especially in a playoff setting. But you put together what might be the best offense in the NBA or no worse than the second best offense in the NBA, and you've also made it so that it's just completely playoff-proof at this point. And I think the biggest thing I'm watching for and what I think gives the Suns like perhaps the highest ceiling of any team in the NBA is that Devin Booker's never been the number two option on his own team before. And so we're taking this player who's had to deal with a ton of defensive attention his entire career and just opening up all this space for him both on and, and off the ball with Kevin Durant on the floor. There are so many different things they could run. And so I know sometimes these things take time to sort of marinate and gel, but they, in my eyes, become an in, in insta-powerhouse. Not even just a contender, but an insta-powerhouse once KD returns. Okay, so we'll get into some of this in a little more detail. First up, though, before we get to that part, 
Uh, did they give up too much with Bridges and Johnson and four first-round picks heading to the Nets? I lean towards yes because they weren't negotiating against anyone other than themselves. Uh, the Nets could have certainly held on to Kevin Durant into the offseason and opened up the bidding, but they were shopping him to the team that he wanted to go to. It was only the Suns, and so it would have been better for Phoenix to have drawn some line in the sand. I'm not saying you would have gotten out of that deal while keeping Mikael Bridges, but could you have you know, used Dario Sharks instead of Jake Crowder so you could have moved Jake Crowder for, for other assets rather than the Sharks move that you ended up making? Could you have held on to that? that swap or even maybe this year's first round pick which isn't going to be all that valuable when um you know kevin Durant's going to make your team good anyway and so i would have liked to have seen them not sort of acquiesce to the nets's demand um so much because i don't think you lose this trade by any stretch it's kevin durant so i would have made the move as well but it just feels like in a market where they were the only team that was actually vying for kevin Durant's services they did wind up um i think over acquiescing to brooklyn's demand Speaking of first-round picks, I'm just, I'm just wondering out loud here. I'm, I suspect that the so-called hit rate of first-round picks, it seems like it's dwindled in recent seasons. Am, am I crazy thinking that? Um, I honestly don't know. I would have to go back and, and really look at it. I think it's tough. You have to also look at, I think, like the teams that are making those picks and the environments they're coming into. And I think there's also been a lot of pick shuffling, which creates sort of just an unsteady market and then it does seem like you know let's look at a james wiseman or a sadiq bay two guys who were flipped on the um on trade deadline day that teams are willing um, more so than they were before to maybe give up on these guys before their rookie contracts are up and so i think that's created some pretty unique situations but i have no doubt that just the frequency and the volume at which these picks have now been traded off into the distant future and are now starting to convey i do think that probably contributes to a sort of turbulent um draft class development do you have any idea when Durant might be able to play? I have zero idea. I assumed it would be sort of coming out of the all-star break. Part of me leaning towards now, like maybe we should expect him to come back closer to March or something. But um, I honestly, the, the, there was the timeline with Iffy with Brooklyn. I think the initial um, timeline for an injury like this put him back just after the all-star break. I imagine the Suns will just be a little bit cautious knowing the stakes and just given how they've treated other injuries this season, going back to Cam Johnson, even a Devin Booker groin injury. So my bet would be if you set, you know, on or before March 1st, I'd probably put after March 1st. So let's, uh, the current Suns, we have Durant, Booker, Paul, Aiton, and whomever is the fifth guy. You think that's a good mix? Yeah, it's a fantastic mix. Uh, you could put whoever you want in there, and I think that lineup will be an absolute killer. Uh, I am interested to see, you know, in theory, if DeAndre Ayton to me feels like he might have to be the one that makes the most adjustments. His role gets a little bit easier, and he's always been more of a play finisher. But you now, there's no pathway to you ever being more than the third or fourth option within that lineup. And so I am curious to see how he adjusts offensively to that. It should be a dream in theory, but is he going to be okay with maybe lower volume or just a completely streamlined role and given what he's going to be doing on the offensive end, does that impact what he's doing on defense for you at all? Because he is now the most important defender on the team. I think he's one of the most important defenders in the league now when you look at the structure of the Suns and, and their playoff aspirations. So I think that's the player. Um, not, he's not the player I'm be watching most closely, but aside from like seeing how the star dynamic sort of hashes out, like that's the thing I'm watching for the most is how DeAndre Ayton fits on offense and, and what his defense defensive engagement looks like with this group on a night-to-night basis. Speaking of defensive engagement, that leads me to my next idea here. Is it like the first 140 once the Suns get these guys out there? 
Jason Kidd of the Mavericks would agree based off his quotes from last night where he said no one comes to watch defense to see 80-80 games. Uh, but, yeah, look, like like I said, at the top, this is a team that can play so many different ways. Um, you might see with Kevin Durant and Chris Paul, maybe they still sort of slow things down sometimes, but they're going to probably have, like, one of the two or three best offensive ratings from here on out, and they're going to have, like, thermonuclear numbers when those three are in the game together. And, and so I struggle to see a team in the league that has a higher offensive ceiling than Phoenix right now, even Denver with what Jokic can do, I still think just in a vacuum, Phoenix's top-end outcome here is higher than anyone else in the league on offense because of all the ways that they could attack you. And the biggest thing for me is when you talk about superstars that can play alongside anyone and in all these different roles and in all these different forms, if you try and list off the names that are equipped to do that, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant and Steph Curry are going to be three of the first five names that come to mind. And now you have two of them on your roster, which is absolutely wild. They also, we're talking with Dan Favelle from Bleacher Report, they also added T.J. Warren and we think Terrence Ross. Uh, are those two guys meaningful additions? I think T.J. Warren could be, just looking at sort of the spot he plays and if any of the you know on-ball defense he saw in Indiana and then a little bit in Brooklyn, though not as much this season, um, can keep him on the floor just because I do think that's something, you know, he's not going to be a point of attack defender, but they could have, they, they have a need for a bigger wing defender who can hang on offense. If you're going to put Josh Kogi out there, maybe even Torrey Craig is a great offensive rebounder. Like, you're going to lose a little offensive juice. And so I think he winds up being more important to the Suns by far uh, than Terrence Ross. All right. You mentioned the Mavs. You mentioned Jason Kidd. Uh, weird talking, listening to him talk about no defense, considering he was such a good defender. <laughs> but Kyrie and Luka, uh, obviously they didn't really know what to do at the end of the game last night, but are, are they a good mix? I think they will end up being fine. Uh, Kyrie has played off superstars in the past. I think Luka has to make the bigger adjustment because of how uh, you know, one-man-centric the Mavs have been for so long by design, but also by necessity when you look at the personnel around him. Uh, you're going to have attack points now on defense that you have to hammer out. The Mavs' rim protection is shaky, and they now have a bunch of guys on the perimeter, including Kyrie. Who can, you know, he can lock in, but he can also be targeted on the defensive end. I think the bigger question is, is just when does sort of the next few fall? Because even when things do work out on the court with Kyrie, we've seen that it's only a matter of time before something changes, whether it's off the court or with the dynamic. And that's what the Mavs have to sort of worry about because he is headed into free agency. And they can say that they view this as a potential rental. But if you want to give this pairing it's, uh, you know, a real test to gauge what it could be, you have to sign him to his next contract. And so the big question is, will you have enough success this season as a team but also as a star duo to convince him to stay in Dallas? And right now I wouldn't be willing to bet on that one way or the other. Again, long term, I think they can fit. I just don't know if Kyrie is there for the long term. So I have an idea for a game that everybody can play. You get a few friends or coworkers or whatever, but how many days, and you have a little pool, how many days until Kyrie either demands a trade or you know, suggests that he needs to go somewhere else? Yeah, I think, look, that's a fun uh, – well, I don't, it might be a terrifying game at this point, but it's, <laughs> it's going – something along those lines is going to happen. I think people – talked themselves into, especially the past few months and everything in Brooklyn was like kind of hunky-dory for a little bit, that, oh, okay, like the worst is passed. But without fail, there's always something. And I don't know what the Mavs think about themselves internally that they believe this situation is going to be any different. So I would absolutely participate in that game because we know at some point, whether it's this season or next season or the season after, there's going to be another shoe that drops. 
Okay, so you get your colleagues at Bleacher Report together, and uh, you know, I only maybe I get like fifty percent of the profits that you make on this. So just just a thought. Maybe we can negotiate that. <laughs> so there we go. All right, you mentioned the Nuggets. They're the best record in the West, obviously, but they're unbelievable at home. They're twenty six and four at home. They're only five hundred on the road. So are we really buying the Nuggets here? I do buy the Nuggets. Uh, they are definitely a, an incredible regular season team. And I think when you look at some of their most used lineups, they do have the ability to hang and mix it up defensively. I think it's going to come down to matchups, though, a lot in the playoffs, where some teams just don't look as great of a matchup as others. Phoenix is one that could really carve them up in the half court and attack their weak points. Golden State would be another team insofar as they get there. But I do buy the Nuggets overall, even though I think when you see how far they kind of leaned into – uh, offense at the deadline where you pick up Thomas Bryant, who's an upgrade as a, as a backup center, but also one of the worst defensive centers in the league. You sign Reggie Jackson. I like his addition. He's probably he's definitely a better floor organizer than Bowen Thailand, but he's not going to give you much defensively. You're still very dependent on like your top six or seven guys, like figuring out the lineup that's going to be able to shut down the other top-end West teams uh, defensively. And that's the, that's the big question. Their defense has been better for long stretches this season, but until you do it in the playoffs, it's it's fair to question it. So I do, I do buy them, um, but to say that they would be, you know, a flawless contender would definitely be a stretch. You mentioned the Warriors. Uh, you know, we've been talking about the Warriors every time we have uh, we talk NBA in this show. The Warriors come up, and you know, what's up with them? And I think um, I'm kind of beyond that at this point. I just figure they're going to, you know, flip a switch and play better at some point, but that doesn't seem to happen. But you know, the Peyton trade thing, what is going on there? This is like a circus. Even in the NBA, it's a circus. Yeah, and the slow drip and drab of, of ambiguous details definitely doesn't help matters. It does seem like the Warriors kind of won the public relations battle at first where they let this out before um, there was any like additional information. The Blazers are claiming that the Warriors didn't even notify them about it before letting it out. And so as far as I understand, uh, it does feel a little shifty, and I think the bigger concern is just like, well, was Gary Payton's injury in general just managed correctly? Um, but from what I understand, it like the Warriors had enough knowledge, and that teams aren't obligated to disclose how players are actually being treated if they're not missing games. But the whole thing is just bizarre pageantry, and I don't necessarily know what the outcome will be, but the trade went through, and we've seen in the past, like, if the Blazers get docked anything, it'll be like a second-round pick or something. It's not going to be anything that's game-changing. All right, Dan, back to the deadline thing here. Uh, are there teams that uh, you know, made deals that uh, you know, we obviously talked about uh, Durant and, and, and obviously Kyrie, but teams that made deals you think will make a difference the rest of this season? Yeah, I think the Clippers are definitely up there getting um, Eric Gordon uh, for sure, someone who he's older, but he can still give you a little rim pressure outside shooting and he can guard up defensively. I don't know that Mason Plumley will be a huge playoff player for them, but he definitely gives them minutes behind Zubat, and Zubat has looked exhausted at points, so so that's huge for them. I also just love the flyer on Bones Highland. I don't think that that's something that impacts them this year, but that's just something to monitor moving forward. And the other team that sort of flew under the radar, uh, we didn't see a lot of game-changing trades outside of you know the Lakers getting D-Lo, which I think puts them firmly in the playoff territory, but isn't going to bump them up to contender status. Uh, but the Sixers, getting Jalen McDaniels and some extra second-round picks. Uh, McDaniels is going to fit in well. He needs to probably hit a little bit more of his threes, but he's definitely more playable offensively than Matisse Seibel was. So his defensive ceiling is lower, but he has some more on-ball skills, can do some fadeaways and stuff off drives. And if he hits his spot-up threes, which he's shown that he can at least do in the past, 
something to see side has in. That's someone who might actually factor into their their playoff rotation. I think his acquisition sort of flew under the radar for them. How about a team or two that did not do enough before the deadline last Thursday that needed to do something? Well, the Bulls needed to do something and then did absolutely nothing, which is just wild to me. Um, if you fancy yourself you know, a threat in the East, then you should have gone out there and acted like it on the trade market, or you should have you know, had the revelation that, hey, we're not good enough and it's time to really, if not go full-scale, tear down, like sort of divest some of these top-end players on our team and, and retool and recalibrate the roster, they did nothing. And so it just seems like they're content to finish like between 12th and you know 9th in the East, which is just completely uninspiring. And Lonzo Ball's injury, which will keep him out for the year, we know now, that only gives you so much cover there. Um, another team that I probably would have liked to have seen done more is Memphis. I love the Luke Kennard addition in a vacuum. But, like They need half-court shot creation on the higher end, and they have the assets to go doing it without sort of touching their core of Desmond Bain, John Morant, and Jaron Jackson Jr., but they continue to pearl-clutch these um, role-player prospects and then some of the future first-round picks that they own. Maybe the star market or the big-name market wasn't conducive, but they were a team that I think should have been more aggressive in trying to get a boy on Bogdanovich out of Detroit or a Kyle Kuzma out of Washington. And then finally, the Wizards are probably another team that really needed to do something just climb out of the middle, whether it's tear it down or, or make an acquisition. And so for them to do relatively nothing or do nothing after the Rui Hachimura trade was, uh, you know, that has to be a letdown for their fans because they are like, you know, they're like the Bulls and the Hornets. They just seem content to exist in the sub-middle. Okay, I feel we've gone this far. I get, we haven't talked about the Lakers, so I guess i contractually obligated to ask you about the Lakers. <laughs> Where do they stand right now? They're, I think they're in the play-in mix still. I don't I don't see a path for them getting into the top six, even though the race is fairly close. But when you look at the teams in front of them, like they have to beat out three teams to finish in the top ten right now. And so you look at Utah, they're a team that might punt on the rest of the season based off what they did at the trade deadline. Um, so maybe you count on usurping them. And then Oklahoma City is, is sort of iffy. They're very talented. They play hard, but it does feel like they've also played a little bit over their head at points. And then you still need to figure out another team to beat out from there to get in the play-in. Is it the Pelicans? Is it the Timberwolves? Is it the Blazers? And so I ultimately do think, because I'm a little bit higher on D'Angelo Russell than consensus at this point, if LeBron and AD are going to be healthy the rest of the way, like I think the Lakers get into the, to the play-in tournament and maybe they're a team that could win it, come out, and get to the playoffs with this, to me, is still not a team that is going to be equipped to win an actual playoff series. And part of that is they're going to have to go so hard once LeBron returns, I think, either Tuesday night or Wednesday night, mid-ankle injury, for the rest of the season just to get in to the play-in. But I think that's going to sap some of their, their top-end juice once we get into the postseason. But if I had to predict, I do think that they will get into the play-in tournament as of now. Okay, last up here, you know, obviously the All-Star break is just – finally here at least for me it's finally here after this week and after the teams come back and you know we're done with the all-star break we're done with the deadline and so forth you know what are some storylines we should pay attention to from that point to the end of the regular season um i think some i mean definitely like kevin durant's fit in phoenix um just because that really shifts the landscape of the whole championship structure in in the in the nba and so that pans out or if he doesn't come back as soon or there's like a lag there, there's going to be openings for other teams. And then I think it's just sort of to monitor, you know, are we going to get any clarity on how this you know, cluster of postseason hopefuls um, it plays out? Are there going to be teams that sort of willingly fade from it? Could we see the Thunder or the Jazz throw in the towel? And that would aid someone like the Lakers. 
Um, could we see the Blazers even pivot towards that direction just based off what they did at the trade deadline suggests it's not completely off the table? And then finally, just like who is going to emerge as the actual clear title favorite right now? I think the safest bet is probably Milwaukee quietly on a 10-game winning streak, it feels, uh, feels like. Chris Middleton starting to look like himself. Giannis, the efficiency's climbed up. They're going to have Jay Crowder debut after the All-Star break. Uh, but Boston also looms, and yet they're dealing with a Jalen Brown injury at the moment. And then Denver, we've already talked about. So, like, the top five or so teams, even including Memphis, where they have, like, real flaws on their offense. I'm just interested to see, like, who goes into the postseason as the prohibitive favorite in each conference. I think that the Nuggets probably have the West maybe locked up right now from that perspective. But the East is going to be just fascinating between Philly, Boston, and Milwaukee. Okay, one quick follow-up. You mentioned Crowder twice. So how does he exactly fit into Milwaukee, and where can they use him the most? Uh, he just gives them a bigger wing defender who, in theory, should be able to hit some threes, and he's going to unlock lineup combinations where the Bucks haven't leaned on them. But if you take you know, Brooke Lopez out, you're not playing Bobby Portis, who's injured right now, Like you could just have Giannis as your lone big because Jay Crowder gives you a lot of defensive optionality. You can also probably get away with playing Jay Crowder and Brooke Lopez and Giannis together. And so it, just, it unlocks a bunch of different lineup combinations for them. It does not do much to help out their half-court offense because I don't think you want him, as Suns fans know, working with the ball in his hand too often. We also just have to factor in, though, like he hasn't played NBA basketball over a half yeah. year at this point. And so what are the expectations in terms of actual minutes for him? But I do think, you know, conceptually, he unlocks some lineup combinations that they have not leaned on this season in part because they're not built to lean on it and he might help them be able to do that dan always good talking to you i love your uh you know expertise and uh i love a man with an opinion too so that's great thank you thank you so much for having me as always i'll talk to you soon our pleasure thank you dan favail bleacher report read all his stuff and which is that's a lot so read it all you need a little time but read it all and uh, good stuff there from dan and talking to Dan tons between now and uh, certainly the end of the postseason. All right, next segment is phone call time. General discussion, 602-260-1060. Also, we'll get to some local roundup in the next segment. Uh, if you, uh, you know, obviously at the Super Bowl, if you have any uh, remaining comments, we're going to wrap up. Uh, we're going to talk some, we're going to do some NFL tomorrow for sure. And then whatever happens in the off season and so forth. But, uh, We'll probably kind of wrap up the Super Bowl round of things uh, tomorrow, during uh, most likely during the extra point. Maybe some in this show, too, this one hour. But definitely uh, tomorrow, kind of the last roundup for a Super Bowl discussion for the most part, unless we're talking like historical things. Uh, but 602-260-1060, it is general discussion. So if you've got ever, uh, other things on your mind sports related we'll uh, probably talk to you about those two 602-260-1060 it's time for today's local roundup all right welcome back to the sports zone with bob camp on kdusam 1060 and kiss lux hd2 100.7 excellent stuff with dan favail from bleacher report which is kind of redundant because it's always excellent stuff with Dan uh, about the trade deadline. He's obviously very high on the Kevin Durant edition here. I'm not completely in. I want to see how it works out, and we'll see how it goes. And it's either a parade or a bad deal, in my opinion, but that's just me. And it seemed like that actually, it seems like it is just me because I don't know anybody else on Earth, planet Earth, that thinks the same about this whole thing than I do. But like I said, I hope I'm wrong. 
All right, uh, 602-260-1060 if you'd like to contribute. General discussion in this segment. Feel free to interrupt at any point. Quickly, some local roundup items in case you missed it during the extra point yesterday. Uh, Caleb uh, announced it uh, and made the, you know, the reading the Sun, the, uh, the uh, Cardinal statement that Conrad Dobler, big-time player back in the day in the 70s, three-time Pro Bowler, had died at the age of 72. He was a key member of the Cardinals uh, from 72 to 77. They had a tremendous offensive line in that uh, period of time. Uh, with Dan Deerdorf and uh, and others, and uh, Dobler played left and right guard. Don, Don Coriel was the coach, and uh, we you know, learned last week that Don Coriel posthumously was inducted in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I'm somebody, uh, in case you haven't listened to this show even occasionally, uh, I think there's too many people in these Hall of Fames, but Dan, Don Coriel, I think, is somebody who should be in the NFL Hall of Fame that was not until last week. Meanwhile, the Cardinals' head coaching search appears to be down to two candidates, a pair of defensive coordinators, Lou Anarumo of the Bengals and Jonathan Gannon of the Eagles. Also around the league, the league is reportedly considering a rule that will prohibit teams from hiring a head coach until after the Super Bowl in 2024. So some of the uh, shenanigans or whatever you'd like to use the word, whatever word you want to use of the last few days here. Uh, Michael Bidwell, the Cardinals are now down. They're the only team that doesn't have a head coach right now because uh, Shane Steichen, as we speak, is being introduced as the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Meanwhile, speaking of uh, former Cardinals coaches like Cliff Kingsbury, he is uh, clearly uh, interested in coaching again this upcoming season. Within the last week, he's interviewed for uh, offensive coaching possibilities with the Ravens and the Texans. They apparently both have decided on other people at this point, but uh, clearly he's uh, interested. I'm not sure how that all works because the Cardinals owe him a billion dollars. I shouldn't say a billion because some people might think I'm serious. Uh, They owe him a whole lot of money uh, through 2027, so I'm not sure how all that works if he gets another gig. Meanwhile, Kevin Durant, as I mentioned at the start of the last segment, uh, he uh, put up a few shots on Monday. At the uh, Cardinals, Cardinals, the Suns practice facility, uh, Durant, uh, who remains out because of injury, they're going to introduce him to the local media at a press conference on Thursday afternoon. Tonight, the 31 and 27 Suns, who moved up a spot in the West last night because the Mavs lost, so the Suns are now fourth in the West. They host the 32 and 24 Kings, or third in the West. I've seen very little of the Kings thus far this season. Actually, I've seen very little of the Kings for many seasons unless they're playing the Suns. Kind of curious to see what's going on here. They're, they're, as I mentioned, third in the West, and that's good. Uh, there's seven games behind the, the Nuggets, but uh, everybody's behind the Nuggets right now because of the Grizzlies' recent slide. Sacramento's won five of the last ten games. All right, on to the phone lines we go. And Tom and Litchfield, what's going on? Oh, not too much. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Great. Hey, uh, my son sent me this list of players. Uh, Booker's played with played with 40 different players from 2015 to 2018. Guess how many are still in the NBA? Yeah, they, he's played with a bunch of dudes. Uh, this is going to be interesting. I thought uh, Dan made many good points in the last segment, but the fact that uh, you know he talked about you know, he's not going to be the number one option and. I'm not 100% sure if Booker's going to totally accept that 
because I think he kind of likes being the number one option. Uh, but we'll see how that goes. Seven players are still in the league from those 40. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Alex Lynn, Derek Jones Jr. Alex Lynn. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, your favorite. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was not a hit, Alex Lynn fan. I do like P.J. Tucker. And I'm. we talked about Jay Crowder in the last segment, too. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work out for everybody in Milwaukee. But, you know, they're actually playing great. So, they'll Jay figure Warren's it out. Jay on that team. One of those teams. Oh, okay. Daniel Heist Jr., uh, Darren Reed, and Keith Morris. Okay. Uh, wow. The Morris <laughs> brothers. Um, that's insane. Yeah. Only seven out of 40. Yeah, that's interesting. That's that's weird. Okay. Good point. Yeah, that's a good, good list. Start with the stadium. I got a brother that's been a uh, golf course superintendent for 40 years. Uh-huh. And he said... They mix uh, two different kinds of grass, and uh, they put way too much ryegrass. That's that's what gets slippery. Okay, that's been a problem. The other night, though, it was you know I thought that Greg Olson did a really good job in a lot of ways during that Super Bowl broadcast for Fox. But yeah, you know, he was pointing out early in that game that a lot of the slipping was going on the painted part of the surface because they you know they painted the field and then the insignias and so forth and. Yeah, most yeah. of the it was a really I didn't even I would have never thought about this if it weren't for Olson, but uh, and I heard it mentioned yesterday on NFL Network too, uh, so yep. I don't know if they just stole that from Olson or that was their own observation or not. And those things are huge. I mean, it takes up half the field. They're... That's right. Well, we've seen that in basketball <laughs> too, right? Basketball courts, uh, oh, yeah. type same type of things like some of the. Uh, the early season invitationals, or when we went to the NCAA tournament, I remember at least one year uh, that there was a regional that they had some problems with uh, with one of the corporate sponsorships uh, being like this huge insignia, and players were you know slipping and sliding away, as oh, uh, yeah, Paul Simon that. would say, I guess. Yeah, I don't remember. I wish I remember which. It was it was several years ago, but I remember that specifically happening. And George Toma, remember him? That's right. Turf guy, the, the turf guru guy. Oh, this yeah. he was here for this. Yeah, okay. It's fifty six. Oh wow, Super I would have I would have guessed way. Over, oh, it's fifty six Super Bowl. Okay, how old yeah. is he? Ninety four. Oh my God! I mean, I didn't <laughs> even know he was still alive. So I would have I would have lost the dead or alive game there. God bless him. Yeah. But uh, he's still he alive, so good for him. Worked but in I would Kansas City half the time, didn't he? Or most of his life? Correct. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. All right. Great stuff okay. as always. Call more often. You're always informative. Thanks. I'll try. See ya. All right. Thank you very much. Excellent stuff there. That's a lot of players for the Booker and so forth. Wow. And very few of them still around. By the way, one final thing in the local roundup the pitchers and catchers for the Diamondbacks. Tomorrow is the first day of workouts. Uh, also, Corbin Carroll continues to get national attention. Ranked either the top prospect or the number two prospect in a lot of places, including number two by CBSSports.com. And uh, we saw a little bit of him towards the end of last season, one of the many young outfielders the Diamondbacks have. And uh, I'm actually looking forward to uh, – I'm never – well, I shouldn't say never, right? I say that all the time. I say never, and then I say I should never say never. Uh, but uh, rarely should I actually say that uh, – uh, you know that I'm you know, using the never card, but I'm kind of looking forward to some of the spring training games with the Diamondbacks. 
This is the part I've rarely said in the past. Uh, but they've got so many young players, I want to see some of these guys play. Uh, so I may watch more, more pre-spring training than usual as far as the, the uh, Diamondbacks are concerned. All right, next segment, we'll wrap it up. We'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the uh, final segment of the show with the National Roundup. And we'll get to a little, uh, you know, couple of from the notebook or slash rip from the headlines type of things in the uh, final segment of today's one-hour extravaganza known as the Sports Zone right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castellux HD 2100.7. segment of today's one-hour extravaganza. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else super through the cracks. Also our guest today around the NBA, including some Suns and Kevin Durant analysis from Dan Favale Bleacher Report. Also sound today courtesy of uh, Yes Network, Amazon Prime Video, Bally Sports Southwest, ESPN, and KBME, the Astros affiliate in Houston. Good to hear some baseball highlights in here, right, Corey? All right, I'm sure you're pretty excited about getting into the baseball season. Uh, pitchers and catchers report for the Diamondbacks. First workout uh, tomorrow. They've already reported, but the first workout tomorrow for the Diamondbacks at Salt River Fields, which is right down the street from where I'm sitting right now in my luxurious home in Scottsdale. All right, special thanks, as always, to Kayla and Corey and Aaron. And we wrap up uh, the sports zone with a few little miscellaneous national roundup items. Let's start with Rip from the headlines. And uh, I'm going to use the athletic version of the story, but Super Bowl 57 drew an average of 113 million viewers across television. That includes Fox, Fox Deportes, uh, also the digital Fox in the NFL properties. So throw all those things together. Uh, this is a Super Bowl 49, by the way, still the. Uh, uh, the biggest viewership ever at 114.4 viewers. Uh, viewers. This was on 113, at least according to the people who figure these things out. Meanwhile, according to Ian Rappaport, the Raiders are cutting Derek Carr. Uh, we knew this was going to happen. He's owed 40 plus million by the uh, guaranteed tomorrow, you know, but uh, they have to cut him today. So we'll see uh, where he ends up. He doesn't seem to be in any hurry to sign anywhere as a free agent. I don't blame him for that. I would probably do the same thing unless somebody just blows you away with an offer right off the bat. Also, uh, the uh, according to ESPN, the Jets have actually hired former Titans offensive coordinator Todd Downing as their passing game coordinator. That's a possibility for Derek Carr uh, would be uh, him going to the uh, Jets. Meanwhile, from college basketball, Alabama, the new number one uh, in the AP poll. First time they've ever been ranked number one in the college basketball poll, uh, according to at least the AP. So they should know that because it's their poll. Also, uh, more college hoops, by the way, tomorrow in the sports zone at 1015. Kevin Sweeney from SI.com scheduled to join us. Mike Bray leaving Notre Dame after this season as the head coach, but he made it clear on Monday that he's not retiring, so make what you want out of that. Meanwhile, from the hot stove, the Yankees have a pitching injury before spring training starts. 
Left-handed starter Nestor Cortez squeaked a hamstring, will not pitch for Team USA in the soon upcoming World Baseball Classic. That reported by Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic. A couple of basketball games tonight, the TNT doubleheader in the NBA. Boston's at Milwaukee. You heard Dan talk about Milwaukee earlier in the show. Ten straight wins. Uh, the uh, Bucks are a nine-point favorite in this game tonight. There's some speculation that Jason Tatum may not play for Boston. Seems like it's a daily thing in the NBA, somebody not playing, a star player. But anyway, Milwaukee a nine-point favorite, which uh, kind of lends you to believe that Tatum's not playing tonight for Boston. And the second half of the doubleheader, the Clippers, uh, who Dan uh, was uh, very high in some of their moves before uh, the trade deadline. Uh, the Clippers hosting Golden State, and uh, the Clippers at eight-and-a-half-point favorite that game tonight against Golden State. A couple of quick college basketball games to maybe watch tonight. Uh, Creighton and Villanova is on FS1 at 5 o'clock. Creighton's a one-point favorite in that game on the road. And also, that's uh, Creighton and Providence. And then Kansas uh, Kansas State's at Oklahoma. This, Kansas State needs to kind of get it together here, Oklahoma other than the one incredible game against Alabama, not very good. Kansas State, a one-point road favorite in that game. That's a 7 o'clock game on ESPNU. And on ESPN at 7 o'clock, Kansas at red-hot Oklahoma State. And Kansas uh, is just a two-point road favorite in that game against the Cowboys. All right, we'll be back on Wednesday for a full three-hour block of local programming. That'll be the Sports Zone from 10 to 11. And the Extra Point hosted by Kayla, that is from 11 to 1 o'clock. This has been the Tuesday Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of the day, everybody.